0: I want to talk to you on the subject. I want to talk to you today. He's still out here. He is still out here. It's Labor Day weekend, and people joke about how uh, Labor Day weekend and other long weekends that you, usually the lead pastor is not preaching. But I I love I love um, even moments like this. I, I I don't like when I say throwing away 2020. I don't like when we throw away certain times. God doesn't work in the summer. God doesn't work on long weekends. That's not true. God's going to do something amazing in our service today. And so I want to encourage you to lean in. Uh, get ready for God to speak to you. God's going to do something awesome today. <laughs> Speaking of Labor Day, one of my favorite work uh, related jokes is the joke. I shared it years back, but the joke about the four men that are in the hospital waiting uh, room, their wives are all pregnant, having Having babies. And so a nurse goes up to the first man and says, Congratulations, you're the father of twins. And he's like, That's so odd. Uh, I actually work for the Minnesota Twins. And so the nurse goes up to the second man and she said, "Uh, I just want you to know, uh, you're going to be the father of triplets. And he's like, That's so weird. I actually work for the 3M company. She goes up to the third man and says, Congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. And the man says, Well, that's really strange. I actually work for Four Seasons Hotel. She goes up to the fourth man. He's already turned around, banging his head against the wall, (laughs) hard, smashing his head. She asked him what was wrong. He said, I work for Seven Up. (laughs) But wherever you work, happy Labor Day weekend, everyone. Thank God for employment and jobs, right? Uh, We are blessed. Sometimes people say, take this job and shove it. But actually, we're blessed to have jobs, whether you work one day a week or not. But whatever you want. That's not funny. It's not funny. So I was like, buy me breakfast. I've said it before. Uh, okay. Um, the next 20 or 30 minutes, let's lean into God's word. We're going to start our series in James, and I really don't know how long we're going to stay here. A couple of months ago in my morning prayer, I felt God begin to bring me personally into the book of James. And I have wrote notes and page after page that I have written down thoughts. And so I, I don't know if we're going to stay here a couple of weeks We might be here five or six or seven weeks, I'm not really sure. I just want to stay sensitive to this season and that God would speak to us what it is exactly we need to hear. And I want to start with just the first four verses of James chapter one. We're going to talk about God or he is still out here. To give you a little bit of background on the book of James, so the win for me this weekend was just to give you a little bit of background as to what we're even going to study the next few weeks. James, most believe, was written about A.D. 40 to 45. Some have it as late as 50 to 60 A.D. Uh, And they would believe that it is written to Jewish Christians and believers living outside Palestine. Josephus, who many would follow and read and study as far as the history uh, when it comes to a lot of these New Testament writings, He he is going to tell us that James was martyred in A.D. 62. And so if you like timelines, if you're trying to navigate through the timing of James, uh, then likely you need to put it somewhere 45 to 60, and then he died in A.D. 62. Uh, They would tell us that it's a general epistle, so it's not really written when when I say uh, many times who's writing, who's it written to, you know, some things are written for us, some things are written to us. There's a lot of things you have to navigate when reading the Bible. This would be called a general epistle. And so it's written not to a particular person or church, but it's a general letter, is what most would believe Matthew, Henry, and others that would tell us this is a general letter. And so I want to step through the first four verses today. Once I do that, I'm going to then back up again. Uh, to give you what we believe is the timing of this letter and why it was even written in the first place. I believe it's going to speak to you. So I, like I said, I've been in James for a couple of months now, and that could be everything from reading, studying early mornings to spending hours with Rabbi Holbrook, who's a good friend, and others to have them weigh in on their perspective of the book of James. Um, I will do my best today and even other weekends, but uh, there's times that as I've been preparing for this, Rabbi would tell you when I met with him, probably three times, I broke down crying. Uh, it was just speaking to my soul so powerfully, and I pray that I'm able to take the spirit of of the last couple of months and give it to you in the next twenty or thirty minutes, and you'll be stirred, uh, just like I have been, just like I have been stirred. James chapter one verse one: James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes, everyone say scattered. Maybe you feel scattered today. Maybe you, maybe you think our nation is scattered. Uh, I want you to notice that right out of the gate. He's going to say to the twelve tribes that are scattered among the nations, greeting. Now, before we jump into verse number two, the word servant here, this is really important, I believe, when, when he says a servant of God the word servant here comes from a Greek word, doulos, which is a bond servant, one who has a permanent, this, I'm drawn to that word permanent, a permanent relation of servitude to another. So it's not like you're in, out, up, down, I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it. No, you're committed. You're committed. And James is saying that that's what I am. I, I am a committed servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord, the Greek word is kurios, which means uh, the master of a doulos. And in the context, it means that James considered Jesus God. Now, the reason I would even pause there to tell you that is because James is the brother of Jesus. And so sometimes when people know someone, they'll often play that card. Like, hey, everyone, I'm James, Jesus' brother, right? Like you're going you're gonna to use that as a card you play to be like, hey, everyone, do you know who I really am? I know, and then you fill in the blank with people who name drop. I think it's awesome that James doesn't start by saying, hey, I'm James, the brother of Jesus. He actually says, I'm James, a servant, and then tells us, I was close, and I believe he's the Christ. I, I, I've watched this play out, and I believe he's God. And so when, when you're reading through James with me the next few weeks, I, I, want, I want that to stand out to you that James was convinced that Jesus was God. He says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So the timing of this, if you were to spend hours and hours and just read through the context of James, which some of you may have done that, you would find that studies, that that scholars would tell us these are just a few of the things that they believe these individuals would have been facing. They use the word confusion. They would have been facing confusion, fear, loneliness, anger, sorrow, poverty, hardship. Those are some of the words that they use that they believe these people would have been facing when James is going to tell them, I want you to consider it pure joy even when you are going through those things that I just shared with you. When you look at verse number two, maybe you could say to me, Micah, I'm facing a tough time today. So we, we read these scriptures from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and then we apply them to where we're at in 2020. And maybe some of those words you can track with. Maybe you're like, I feel scattered. My family feels scattered. My schedule, may, maybe even spiritually, you feel scattered. Maybe you would also feel that even though you may not have the exact list of confusion and fear and loneliness and anger and sorrow and poverty and hardship, you have your own list. And James is telling them in the middle of all of that, don't just be happy when you get the stimulus check. Don't just be happy when you get a raise. Don't just be happy when everyone loves you. Don't just be happy when you think life is perfect. He said, I want you to count it or consider it joy when... Right? So he's not just God here. James is telling them I want you to believe it's God when you feel like you're down here. Verse number three. Because you know. I think this is a key part just because even as a pastor, it's my 30th year of ministry. The Bible is full and we know that all things work together for good. Right? Even if I go here, if I go there and high and low and ascend, even there like I just know like there's the Bible is full of reminders of telling us about how important it is to know. But 30 years in, I, I could not stand here and honestly admit that every single day I'm 100% convinced that I know everything is working for good. Sometimes you and I are caught in this tension or struggle between what we know in our spirit but what we see with our eyes. Right? Right? Sometimes you can see certain things and you're like, wow, that is so messy. Or you hear certain things, whether it's social media or the news, and you're like, I'm so sick of it. He's telling them, he said, because you know that the testing of your faith, if we go back through the list again, Steve, loneliness and fear and anger, and he said because you know that all of that stuff is helping you. All of that stuff is producing perseverance. I'll be honest with you today that sometimes I in the natural could second guess if all of that stuff is really working for my good. The spiritual side, the biblical side is going to tell us it's working. Let it work. But I think if people were honest today, they would have to admit that sometimes in the midst of all of those things, they can begin to mess with your mind or mess with your heart. Have you ever questioned why certain things were happening? I had three or four viewings this week that I was at in funeral homes and I didn't say anything, but, but I just listened at each one as I would hear people ask questions like, I've wondered why or how come or it seems so early or... I'm not going to pinpoint people's conversations. I'm just saying that once you've been in a position like I'm in long enough, you begin to hear conversations where people question why is this happening? James is trying to dig down, to drill down with these people who are very likely questioning why is this happening? He tells them, it's producing perseverance. The King James version would say it's producing patience. Everyone say patience. Has anyone? I know we have people online as well, but has has anyone? You could let us know in the comments. But those in the room, has anyone ever struggled with being impatient? Could anyone raise two hands? I I am finishing up. I am finishing up my notes yesterday to send to Ray. I I send my notes I have for years now, but Ray is down here with the the hat on, professor education, whatever all the other fancy things is that Ray is, has accomplished through the years. For years, I send my notes to him every week to tell him to clean up whatever I'd done wrong and reword and change and. Um, but. Ray has been a huge help with that over the years, but I'm finishing up my notes to send to Ray, and I, and I was on my way to Pastor Josiah's wife, uh, Whitney. Her, her dad had passed, and we were going to the funeral, and so I, I'm, driving, I'm driving down 13. My wife is with me, and traffic, maybe you're in the line, but I felt like traffic lined up from the other side of Belleville all the way to back in town, and we are following a tractor, and I mean, at first it's 10 or 20 cars and then I felt like it was 50 or 100 cars and I was feeling my blood begin to boil. I'm looking at the time. I know what time the funeral starts. I wasn't counting on, you know, give yourself an hour to go from Belleville to Fredericktown and I could just feel it. And then all of a sudden it was almost like, Micah, the notes you are sending to Ray are for you right now. Like this is, this is, you're preaching to yourself. But whether, whether or not it's a tractor or your job or family or everything going on in our na- nation, if, if we were to just look at our days, there are constant, like almost continual opportunities to become impatient. Those of you that are parents, I, I've read that parental patience, so it's not just patience, it's parental patience, that parental patience is what you have when there are too many witnesses. (coughs) So if you know people are watching and you can't do what you really want to do or say what you really want to say, you have the eyes, those that are kids in the room or children in the room, you just know like a mom or dad, they can have a certain way they stare, they can like, like they can grit their teeth, they have a twitch. Other people in the room may not even notice the twitch, but you know the twitch. Just like, mmm. Like if people weren't watching, oh. Right? That's, that's parental patience. The Greek word that's used here is not just patience, so patience is part of it, but it's also endurance. Everyone say endurance. The word that, that's used here is that all of these things are helping you with your patience or with your endurance. I heard the story about the man, this is a true story, the man who was known for his calmness and poise, but he also had moments of frustration and irritability. Is there anyone that's like, so far you're talking about me? Like I, th- this, this is a true story. This man had poise and calmness, but he would also have occasional outbursts The true story is that one day a friend saw him pacing the floor like a caged lion, and his friend asked him, what is the trouble? what's, What's going on? What is the trouble? And the man responded that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. How many knows that's true? That sometimes our impatience is that we're wanting God to move, and he's just not moved like we want him to. When you, when you think of patience, I heard the joke about the wife who prayed, Lord, give me wisdom to understand my man. Give me love to forgive him. Give me patience for his moods. Because, Lord, if I only pray for extra strength, I'm going to beat him up. <laughs> it's like the joke about the guy that was heard praying, God, give me patience, like right now. They say that patience, everyone say Patience. They say that patience is like faith in slow motion. Patience is faith in slow motion. James is telling them, don't get out of the line. Don't quit. I know the anger and the frustration and don't, don't, don't stop because even if you don't see it, he's still working. That's what James is trying to tell. I know you're scattered, but God's still working. Verse 4 is our final verse today. He says, let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our purpose, and you could personalize that to yourself, but our purpose will often require patience. So if you want to make it to verse 4, and I would hope you all would, if you want to make it to verse 4, patience is going to be part of that process if you're going to get to verse number four. In our final few minutes together, I want to give you some context of James that we'll build on the next few weeks. So the author, as I've shared, James is the brother of Jesus. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to discredit anyone's understanding of Scripture, but if you are new in your faith or there's several people with the same name in the Bible, I want to say this at least for you, you, maybe you have read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you hear Peter, uh, James, and John. This is not that James. Okay, so I just want to put that out there for you. This is not that James. That is James, whose dad was Zebedee. Uh, so that James would be at transfiguration, or that James would go to Jairus' house, or, or that James was, was part of those miracles. It's not that James. This writer in James is James, the brother of Jesus. He's the oldest brother And something maybe that would be intriguing to you is that James, uh, they don't believe, was was a believer at first in Jesus. James was not a believer. And so that belief would be taken from John 7, 5, where it says, for even his own brothers, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. And so people would have different perspectives of when James became a believer Whether it was the resurrection, whether it was the ascension, at what point that James became a believer. Uh, But most would believe that James showed up at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit uh, was outpoured. Acts 1.14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his and with his brothers. Uh, And so they would believe that James was part of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is outpoured. We do know uh, that James later became a prominent leader in the early church. So if you want to read in your own personal reading time, Acts chapter 15, you will find that James had a very valued voice uh, as a leader in the church. That's in Acts chapter 15. And most would believe that the book of James, which is what we're studying, was written after the great persecution began following Stephen's stoning in Acts uh, in the book of Acts. And so that's where I want to pick up in our final few minutes. So they believe that James, so to, to those that are scattered, count it all joy. It's working patience and perseverance. All of that was written after Stephen was stoned. So let's read those three verses. On that day, this is the book of Acts. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. There's the word. They were scattered Throughout Judea and Samaria, godly men buried Stephen and more, notice this, mourned deeply. So, when I'm telling you, Chelsea, when I'm telling you the list of James that they believe is writing to people who are lonely, who are frustrated, who are angry, I just want to draw this correlation. There are people who are mourning deeply for what has happened. And in this moment of being scattered, Verse 3 says, Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is where, Connie, this is where they now believe James is going to start writing. So I would love for you, in closing today, to capture the spirit of these people being dispersed from Jerusalem, dealing with knowing that they're going house to house, taking men and women, dealing with the mourning of Stephen, being stoned, and James is going to start telling them, I want you to count it all joy. I don't want to count it all joy. I want to count it all joy. I pray the Holy Spirit will just speak to your heart. As we wrap up this week, one message, let me give you some, some more context to James. Jerusalem, which is where they're at, it's where they're at. So, so you just read with me in verse 1, they're in Jerusalem, but they're going to be scattered. Jerusalem is the place of the temple. It's where the crucifixion was. It would have been the roots of Ju- uh, Judaism. It's where Pentecost, the Holy Spirit showed up. If you, if you read scripture where it says, even in Jerusalem, God said, I'm going to put my name there. They would have the feasts there, the predominant ones, the required or mandated ones, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, Tabernacles, Passover. If you look at Jerusalem, some of you could go home today and even look at an aerial view of of Jerusalem and you would see the Shin or or what would mean El Shaddai, the temple being the dot of that. But it's very interesting how Jerusalem was the place. It's really important to notice that Jerusalem was a place where they're like, God is there, His name is there, His Spirit shows up there, festivals are there, feasts are there. And now this place, you know, maybe your place could be, maybe your place could be like, Pastor Micah, I just, you know, it's not maybe Jerusalem for you, maybe it's a 9 a.m. service, maybe it's a 10.45 a.m. service, maybe it's when all of your friends are doing so well, or your Bible study group, or your life group. I want you to understand where these people are being driven from. They are being scattered from a place of positivity, from a place of His presence, from a place of His power, and they're going to be scattered from that. El Shaddai. That aerial view, even if you look down and see the symbol of it, that El Shaddai, that means God who is sufficient. Is there anyone today who's thankful that God's sufficient? Sufficient for Travis and sufficient for Kristen Scott. You're just thankfully sufficient, Lane. Well, now they're going to be scattered from sufficiency. From what they think in their mind, Regina. They're going to be scattered from that. James is going to tell them, even in a season of being scattered, I want you to count it all joy. The Bible says... In this mourning deeply, in this being put out, this brother of Jesus, James, who arguably if you study it, they would say that James arguably had the best church in town. Jerusalem was the place where people would want to go. It's very possible, most writers put down, it's very possible, Dr. Abel, that James would have never wanted to leave Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You know, sometimes when when you're in that nest of comfortability, like I don't want to leave Jerusalem. Why would I want to leave the best of the best? Some would write that James and others would have never went. But here's the reality. Judea and Samaria needed them to extend beyond Jerusalem. The outer part needed them to reach from the inner part. Our calling... Every one of us have one as believers. Our calling is not always comfortable. Pastor Mike, I don't always like my job. I don't always like what I'm doing. I don't always like that God puts me in these places and predicaments to deal with those people. I don't like that. Well, I would submit to you today on Labor Day weekend that your spiritual work, your spiritual mandate is not always in your Jerusalem. Not everything in life is always like, wow, this, is, this day's just amazing, and everything's so great, and I never feel stretched, and I, sometimes, God will use you outside of your Jerusalem. And God will tell you like James told them, I know you're scattered, but God's still working. I know you're frustrated, But God is still going to get good out of this. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you, you read it with me a few moments ago, but Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church where? In Jerusalem. And all, except the apostles, were scattered where? Judea and Samaria. Now I want to back you up. So that's 8-1. I want you to I want to back you up. Same book to 1-8, Rebecca. So that's 8-1. I want to flip it. I want to go to 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But I want to stay in Jerusalem. I don't want to go anywhere. But this is not just for Jerusalem. He said, You're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Wouldn't it be great if, if everyone could be saved in Richland County or Knox County on Sunday morning at 9 a.m.? Everyone's going to come to church or everyone's going to get online. and Everyone's going to have a Jerusalem moment. But here's the reality. There's people that need Jesus outside of Jerusalem and you work in companies and factories and businesses that I won't always get in. And you're in locker rooms and on teams and around classmates that I will never be around. And so this this mindset that Jesus only shows up in Jerusalem is not a fair assessment. The reality is that every single one of us have our Judea, we have our Samaria, We have our ends of the earth moment where you say sometimes it's dirty and it's messy and it's frustrating, but I want to challenge you today like I believe James challenged them. God is still using you. God is still working. Even if you don't see it, that doesn't mean He's not doing it. And I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy to count it all joy and I know it's not easy when you're scattered to see, oh, he's just working on patience. He's working on my endurance and my perseverance, Pastor Micah. I, n- I know that's not always easy. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand, but some of you right now could probably write a whole list that was longer than this list to give all the reasons why that you wish your life was only Jerusalem. But the great commission, the gospel, the purpose of God, the plan of God is not just Jerusalem kind of days. There's Judea. And there's Samaria. And God help every one of us to consider it and to count it all joy. You say, Micah, that's hard. I totally agree. So I want to recap what we've talked about today as we start the book of James. The first is pain. Everyone say pain. One thing that I love about Acts 8, 1 to 3, is that they don't exempt that from the scriptural writings. They're not like, well, let's leave that part out. Let's just tell them about all the good stuff. Those three verses, Chels, those aren't good things, are they? That we would read, this guy gets stoned, this woman's like jerked out of her house and these people are scattered. Craig, that doesn't sound very enticing. But, but I love that the Bible, the Bible doesn't hide that from us, Steph. The Bible says in this life, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. So James is going to use the word joy. This, this other writer is going to use the word cheer. But sometimes in life, I think we almost want to deny the pain side of it. Like give your life to Christ and you'll never have a problem forever. Well, that's not true. So if I told that to Steve and Stephanie Barr, give your life to Jesus, you'll never have a problem the rest of your life. That's not true. You will have problems. The difference is going to be you're not going to have to do it on your own. Jesus is going to help you. That's the difference. It's going to comfort you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to never leave you or forsake you. But I think this is important for all of us not to deny, Connie, there's going to be pain. There's going to be pain in life. What James does, he doesn't deny the pain, Jess. He encourages them to process it. Process the pain. What is God teaching me in this in this season? What is God showing me in this season? I'm not going to blame God, I'm not going to say God caused it. Like, what, but, but in this moment, as you are processing it, what, what are you learning in the middle of all of this? And then what I would call the word perspective. Perspective. I think a lot of times in scattered seasons, what needs to change is your perspective, is my perspective. So he says, consider it. Consider it. In other words, calm down in the traffic jam, Micah. Calm down, story side. Calm down, parent gritting your teeth. Calm down, business owner. Calm down, pastor. Calm down people at breakfast complaining about preachers are the problem. Just calm down and consider it. In 2020, when you're wanting to just ball it up and throw it away, just consider it for a second. Just consider it. I know you all want to be back in Jerusalem, but I need you to remember Acts 1.8 and I need you to consider it. That's Perspective. And then in the middle of all of it, that final word that he told us was patience. When you come out the other side, your endurance is going to be better. Your perseverance is going to be better. Your patience is going to be better. Remember that one time they told you to all stay home? Remember that one time you were trying to juggle churches and homeschooling? And remember that one time, right? When you come out the other side of some of these things, remember that one time you were laid off? Remember that one time you didn't know how you were going to make ends meet? Remember that? If you'll stay in the line, James said. He's telling them, if you'll stay in the line, I know you want to get out of the line. I know you want to quit. I know you're like, I hate being stuck in Samaria. But if you'll stay in the line and you'll let patience have its perfect work, Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit for someone even today just to say, keep working in me, Jesus. I know I'm getting aggravated some days, but keep working in me, Jesus. I don't know who you are today that this message was for, that I prayed over or cried over, felt those God, I, I don't know who it is that needs to hear this. I'm just asking you to stay in the line. I'm asking you to not quit in verse two or quit in verse three when I know there's a verse four for you. God knows there's a verse four for you. Let patience have its perfect work. I read about the famed violinist Fritz Chrysler after a concert. A woman had rushed up to him and she cried, I'd give my life to play as beautifully as you did. And Chrysler said, I did did. Here's the reality. If you and I want to make it to verse number four, you got to give your whole life to this thing. You Can't show up once a month. Like, well, I go to church once a month or I pray when all of my bills are paid, Pastor Micah. Like I, I worship when, when I get a bonus. That's not how this works. You got to be there in verse one. You got to still be there in verse two you got to stay committed in verse 3, right? If you're going to make it to verse 4, if you're going to make it to verse 4, this can't be a conditional commitment to Christ. you got to be all in. Would you close your eyes and give me the opportunity to pray for you today? Just want to ask you the question, is there anyone today that would be honest enough to admit that although it's not Jerusalem and house to house and stoning and scattered, it's not your exact story, but but you would admit that the last few months or this year has had plenty of painful moments or frustrating moments, and you would just raise a hand to acknowledge it today. I'm not living in denial. I'm going to be honest, I've got frustrated some days. Hands are still going up. It's not bad to admit pain. It's not a bad thing. Hands are still going up. Is there anyone that would follow up that question by just telling God, God, help me to process it and have the right perspective. The last thing I want is to have the wrong perspective of what I'm facing right now. Is there anyone that would raise a hand for that and say, God, help me with my perspective? I know we joked about patience. but Is there anyone that would say, God, I, I don't want to get out of line. I don't want to quit too early. I don't want to get frustrated and walk away. Help me to let, let, let. That means to allow. Help me to let patience have its perfect work in my life. Is there anyone that would raise a hand to say, God, help me to stay in the line. Help, help me to let patience continue to work in my life. God, I pray right now over every single person in this room and those joining us online. I pray over anyone that needs forgiveness of sin. We had communion earlier and we talked about forgiveness of sin. I pray if there's someone that needs forgiven today of sin, that they would pray that prayer to say, God, forgive me, God, help me, God, save me. I pray for others who, like we have studied today and read today, they were. Many of them believers, but, but scattered. And the loneliness, the anger, the frustration, all those things that we shared, I pray for those people that in this moment are saying, I, I've not been counting it as joy. I've actually been getting bitter and offended and mad and angry and this isn't fair and why and how come. But Pastor Micah, today in God's presence, I'm being reminded that if I if I don't see it in verse 2, that doesn't mean he's not working. If I don't see it in verse 3, that doesn't mean he's not working. I know I'm frustrated that I had to get pushed out of Jerusalem, but this is Acts 1 and 8. We're going to have the book of James and other writings. We're going to have the church. We're going to have all of these things because of Acts 8, 1 to 3. Even if I don't see it today on this Labor Day weekend, I'm telling my soul and my spirit, keep trusting God. Keep your faith in God. Don't get out of the line. I pray for that person today that needed to hear your word like right now. Stay in the line. Stay in the line. He's still out here. I know you're in Samaria. I know you're in Judea. I know you're in the outermost part. But God is there too. He's not just in Jerusalem. He's on that job, He's in that apartment, He's in that home, He's in that tension, He's in that struggle, He's in that wrestle. He's still there too. And I pray you would be reminded in this holy moment, God hasn't left you. God hasn't walked away, He hasn't forsaken you. He's still there too. And I pray you would comfort someone today, encourage someone today. Help them to count it all, help them to count it all joy. Let patience have its perfect work. Come on, story side. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Let patience have its perfect work. Would you pray over your own self right now? Some of you may want to put your hand on your heart, but would you just tell them, keep working? Whether you're a young student, tell them, keep working in my life. College student, keep working in my life. Marriage, keep working. Parent, keep working. Come on, tell them, keep working. Business owner, keep working. Christian, come on, Christian. Keep working in my life, even if I don't see it. Even if I don't see it. Even if I don't see it. Pastor Mike, I'm trying so hard with my son and daughter. The conversations, the frustration... Come on, God's still working. I want you to believe that today. Keep planting seeds. Keep praying the prayers. He's still working. I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand all over the room today? Can we just sing this song to seal it in our spirit today? Come on, He's still working. I'm going to trust you, God. Even when I don't see it, even when Even I don't when see it, if I don't feel it, you're working. Come on, let's sing it out to Even Him today.